Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Welcome to the Defender Bible Study Podcast. Today is Monday, January 2nd, 2023. My name is Chris Johnson, and I serve as the Vice President of Church Partnerships and Government Affairs for Lifeline Children's Services. As we prepare to begin a new series in our Bible study, we're going to change things up just a little bit today. We're going to be able to share with you a sermon that I recently preached at the First Baptist Church of Lake Butler, Florida. The sermon is entitled, Every Believer Must Help the Orphan. I pray that it is both challenging and encouraging as we seek together to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children, women, and families. My message and my call today is is for every one of us in here to realize that every believer must help the orphan. Every believer must help the orphan. We're going to see God's word, how God's word shows us that that is a, a, a command for us, something that we are to do. But it kind of starts with understanding how great the need is. Today, UNICEF tells us that there are approximately 150 million children around the world that we would consider orphan, orphan and vulnerable children. Some of these children may still have one parent living or they may have certain family members, but ultimately they are in a situation where they are dependent upon others to step in and provide love, support, and care for them. Of that 150 million, about 15 million children around the world today are completely what we consider completely full orphans in that neither one of their parents are living or able to care for them. They have no family. They have no support. Uh, They are completely dependent upon others. 15 million children around the world. Now, for us, that number seems pretty large, right? It's kind of like that's unreachable. That's kind of a a number. Those are children that are on the other parts of the world in third world countries. But we can bring it down a little bit closer and we can look right across these, this, this United States of America. In America today, there are about 440,000 children that are in the foster care system. Now, many of these children are in this system for a temporary period of time, and they have the goal of being reunified with their family, and most of those children will go back to their family, but right now they are sitting in the care of the state with the need for someone to step into their lives and care for them. 440,000 children right here in America. Of that number, about 125,000 of those children Their parents' rights have been completely terminated, and they are sitting in the care of the state waiting for a family to step in and provide them the love, care, and support that they need. 125,000 children in the care of states across the USA. Now, I used to say that government does a lot of things well. I had the opportunity for about a year and a half to work in state government, and now I say government does very few things well because I've been in it and I've experienced it. But I can tell you with assurance today that raising children is not one of those things that government does well. God did not call the state to care for and bring up and raise children. God called families, and I believe God has called the church to step in and provide that support, provide that care, and ultimately provide forever families for those children who desperately need families today. Now, you may be here and you may say, okay, 125,000 around across the country, but that's not here. That's not in our area. That's not in our where we live. Well, let's bring it down even closer. Here in the state of Florida, in Florida today, there are over 23,000 children in foster care in Florida. 
Some 9,000 of those children are on a path toward adoption, and about six to 800 of those children have no identified family right now to care for them. They have no one that is stepping in and saying, I will be your mom, I'll be your dad, I will, I will share the love of Christ with you, and I will provide that for every family. You can bring it in even a little bit closer. And we have uh, an agency that does work on behalf of the state here in this circuit, in this region, uh, here in, in this part of Florida. And just in this particular circuit today, there are about 875 kids that are in foster care. And about 40 of those kids are waiting to be adopted. Another great issue that we have is so many of these kids, because no one is stepping up to care for them and adopt them, these children are aging out of the foster care system and going into life without the support of a family. Here in Florida, about a thousand children a year are at risk of aging out of the system without a family. These kids here in this community, these kids around the world in various countries, they are in desperate need of our help. And the one thing that every one of these children has in common is the fact that not one of these children are in this position because of something that they have done. But instead, it's because people who should have loved for them and should have cared for them either are not able to do so, have either lost their life, or maybe because of their situation are not able to care for them properly, or those who should love them have chosen not to care for them. Folks, the need today for the church to stand up and be the church, the need is great. The need is great. We oftentimes step into orphan care with a mindset and with the understanding and with the belief that we're doing this for the children and we're doing this to help them. But what God says and what God knows so clearly is when we walk in obedience to His Word and do what He has called us to do, when we care about the things that He cares about, it's not only those children's life that get changed, it's not only their parents' life that get changed, but our lives are changed as well. Because when you see the power of the gospel, there is no denying God's working in and through us. I want you to take your Bibles today and turn to James chapter number one. Let's read these verses that I mentioned earlier that God used in my heart uh, on that day. We're going to begin in verse number 19. I know many of you I know are familiar with the book of James. And uh, James, of course, is, is an instructive book. We have to understand James is writing to believers. He's not writing to tell us how to be saved. He's not writing to give us understanding of what it takes to come to God and what it takes in order to earn salvation. There are many that have misunderstood that over the years and many that even have rejected this book because they kind of kind of have this sense. But you have to understand James is writing to people who've already placed their faith in Christ. The scattered believers, uh, he is writing to them with an understanding of saying, if you say you have faith, then your life will show that that faith is real and genuine. If the faith you say you have in Christ is real, it will impact your life. Your life will look different if you have truly placed faith in Jesus Christ, because God is the one who does that work within us. And if our faith is real, it will show itself before man. It will show itself before others and our lives will look a certain way. Beginning in verse number 19 of James 1, he says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I'd love to break this whole thing down. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves." 
James says, if you are just a hearer and you're coming to church regularly and you're hearing these words and you're reading the Bible, but it's not affecting your life, he says, you are, you are deceiving yourself. You are playing the religion game, but your faith is not real and genuine. Because if it is, you're not going to hear the Word of God. You're going to live the Word of God and you're going to be a doer of the Word of God as well. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James says God's word is a mirror that shows us and reveals to us whether or not our faith is real what our life is to look like. When I got up this morning, one of the first things I did is went into the bathroom and looked into the mirror. And I saw that my hair was disheveled. I saw that I needed to shave. My, my beard had grown out and all these different things. I had a choice to make this morning. I could have looked at that mirror and then just literally said, nah, it's all good. I don't really care. And I could have shown up today and you guys would have been like, what is the deal with this dude? But instead I said, you know what? There's some things here. There's some things that need to be corrected. There's some things that need to be adjusted. And some of it, you know, just kind of this is what you get, right? But there were some things that need to be adjusted, some things that I could do. The same is true of God's Word. God's Word reveals to us what a true believer's life should look like. And when we go to God's Word and we look at it and we, and we lean into God's Word and we look deeply into God's Word, we see the life that God has called us to live. We see the way that our life should look. And then we have the option. We can continue on in our way and ignore God's Word. And that's what someone who's playing the game of religion would do. Or we can look at God's Word and see where our life does not line up. And we can allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to make those adjustments in us so that He can be lived out through us. This is what it's all about in Romans 12, where it tells us to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. It's allowing the Word of God to change the way that we think and transform us from the inside out. Now you say today, Chris, I thought you were coming to talk to us about orphan care. And you're just, man, you're kind of... This is the reality of God's Word. And it's out of this understanding of God's Word that James is now going to give us some different evidences that will be in our heart and in our life if our faith is real and genuine. He's going to talk about the importance of, of controlling our tongue, and he's going to go into great detail about that. But then he's going to talk about caring for those who have nothing to give us in return, and then he's going to talk about keeping ourselves pure and clean in this dirty world. Look at it in verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. He's like, I'm just going to go ahead and straight out tell you. It is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now the word that he uses, we're going to focus today obviously on verse 27 there. The word that he uses here for orphans is the Greek word orphanos. This is transliterated into orphans. Uh, oftentimes in scripture we will see the word orphan, we will see the word fatherless, but it's always, it's, it's referring to those who again have been removed from the care of their, of their earthly parents, of their, their mother and their father. Now, when James is referring to orphans and widows here, he's not just talking about those who have been orphaned and those whose, whose husbands have died. What he is referring to, these would have been the most vulnerable population in this time. 
And so he is saying these are those that should be under the care of someone else, the care of a family that have been removed from that care and now are in a vulnerable position. They often most likely have nothing to give you in return. They need the care of the body of Christ around them. And so we see here, first of all, we must help the orphan because it is biblical. We must help the orphan because it is biblical. Over and over throughout Scripture, we see God's heart for the orphan. Listen to just some of these verses. Psalm number 68, verses 5 through 6. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in His holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. God sets the lonely in families. Psalm 82.3, defend the poor and fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Psalm number 10, verse 14, you have been the helper of the fatherless. Hosea 14.3, for in you the orphan finds mercy. Over and over again, we see God's heart for the vulnerable. We see God's heart for the fatherless, for the orphan. How many of you today believe that God keeps His word? That's it. How many believe God keeps His Word? Yes, God keeps His Word. We stand firm today. We are here today because we believe God keeps His Word and God will keep us and, and we can trust today in God's sovereignty and we can trust in God's faithfulness to keep His Word. So God keeps His Word and in His Word, He has promised that He will provide for and that He will care for the orphan and for the vulnerable. What a joy it is. What a privilege and an honor it is that you and I, we get to be the means by which God keeps His Word. How does God today in our context care for the orphan, care for the vulnerable child, and care for the vulnerable family? How does He do that? By raising up His church and calling His church into action. You and I get the honor of being used by God to be a part of Him keeping His Word. As we see God's heart for the orphan, as we see God's heart for the vulnerable, we cannot deny our responsibility to care for them. We cannot deny our responsibility to allow Him to use us in this work. In fact, the truth is, we as Christ followers, we are never more like the Father than when we are helping those who have nothing to give in return. We are never more like our Heavenly Father, and that's what a Christian is called to be, a little Christ. We are never more like our Father than when we are helping those who have nothing to give in return. That's why we must understand the admonition of Isaiah 1.17. Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless. We look closely here at James 1.27, and as we break this verse down and we see God's working, Isaiah 1.17 is a command that we're supposed to do, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless. James kind of shifts it here. In James, in James 1.27, you'll often hear people say, this is the command to care for the orphan. The reality is it's not a command here in James 1. It's really just an expression. It's just an ex- explanation of what a life surrendered to God looks like. And it's the natural flow of a person whose faith is real and genuine. It's really more of a descriptor than it is a command. He says in James 1.27, religion that is pure 
and, and undefiled before the Father. Pure and undefiled before the Father. He starts with that word religion. Now, in our context today, we hate that word, right? We're like, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And, and religion, when religion is understood as ritual and as going through the motions, yes, we do reject that. James is using the word religion here as an understanding, again, of this expression of our faith. The way that our faith is demonstrated, the way that our faith is displayed. And he says the most pure and undefiled display of your faith. And, and he j- kind of ch- shifts a little bit from what most of James is about. Most of the book of James is about what it looks like in front of men. But here he says, this is the most pure and undefiled religion before God, who God our Father, who sees our hearts, right? He knows exactly where we are. We can't hide that from him. And he says the way that we, that we demonstrate, the way that our faith to him and in him is demonstrated is this, to visit orphan and widow in their affliction. The word visit here, it's the Greek word episkotomai. And it it involves literally moving towards. We we think about visit again, and we kind of think about it as, I'm just going to kind of stop by for a visit on my way home, right? Or I'm going to, we're going to swing by and visit the store. We're going to visit that family. We're going to drop something off and just kind of do, but then we're going to go our different way. We we view visit as just kind of an an easy word to fulfill. But if you understand this Greek word, it's a compound word that literally means to lean in closely, to to come alongside, to inspect. It gives the idea of having a magnifying glass and leaning in and inspecting that issue, inspecting what you are looking at. It involves engaging them where they are. It gives the idea of joining them in their affliction to come alongside and to get involved with them. It says to visit them in their affliction. The word affliction there, it's dealing with those hard places with uh, and, and children that are in foster care, children that, that are orphaned today. They have been abandoned, abused, neglected. They have dealt with grief and struggle. And so what James is saying is if our faith is real, we as Christ followers, we will lean into, we will run to, come alongside the most vulnerable in their greatest place of distress and affliction. You see, we as the body of Christ, we tend to run away from what's messy. We see broken, dirty things, and we try to run away from those things and hide from those things and kind of gather ourselves together to protect our children, to protect our families from that which is messy. We tend to protect our buildings and our resources from that which is dirty and broken. But James says, if your faith is real and genuine, you're not going to run and hide from the broken. Instead, you're going to run to the broken. You're going to run to the messy. You're going to join the, 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 those in distress. You're going to join the vulnerable in their affliction. You're going to come alongside them. The story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus was asked, uh, who, who is my neighbor? Who should I have? Jesus said, you should have compassion. That word compassion is, is, is your hurt in my heart. Jesus was saying, and James is reiterating here, that true faith will run to the broken, will lean into what is messy, will, will, will come together for what is hurting. Orphan care advocate Jason Johnson says of this verse, we keep ourselves unstained from the world by staining ourselves with the brokenness of the most vulnerable. And that's really the natural flow of the end of that verse. The word and is not in the original manuscripts. It was kind of added in there for clarification for us to see and understand. But what is so really what James is saying is, is, is the pure and undefiled religion is to visit the fatherless, to visit the widow, and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. The natural result of us moving into the vulnerable, the lives of the vulnerable, and joining them in their affliction, the natural outflow of that 
is that the world around us will see that there's something different about us. They will see that our faith is real and our faith is genuine. Church, we must be willing to see hurting people in their brokenness and run to them and not away from them. We must help the orphan because it is biblical. Number two, we must help the orphan because we have been helped. Because we have been helped. What is it that compels us to do this work? What is it that compels us to care for the broken, to welcome this brokenness into our lives and into our homes and into our church? I submit to you today that our motivation is the gospel. Our motivation clearly is the gospel. And the reality is the gospel is the only motivation that will sustain us in this work. If you engage in orphan care because you want to feel better about yourself or because you want to pat on the back or because you want a neat looking Christmas card and you kind of think it might be cool to have a a big family or something like that, if those are your motivations, those motivations will fail you. Because this work is hard. This work is difficult. But if your motivation is the gospel, I submit that the gospel must be our only motivation, but I also submit that the gospel is a sufficient motivation. Because when we understand the gospel then we know that we cannot turn our backs on this and run away, but instead we will continue in this work. We will continue in this ministry, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, even when it's messy. I wish I had time this morning to go to Ephesians chapter 2. I want to encourage you to read this passage this afternoon. I know you guys are walking through Ephesians, one of my favorite books. But Ephesians chapter 2 paints such a beautiful picture of the reality today that we lean into broken places and we run toward those who are, who are in that affliction because that's exactly where you and I were. We were completely dead and hopeless. Nothing we could ever do in our own power and our own strength to get to our Heavenly Father. And in our place of disgust, in our place of vileness, in our place of being the enemies of God, verse number four starts off with, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy and by His great love and according to His grace, God said, I see you in your brokenness. I see you in your despair. And I will join you in that affliction. I will join you in that place of brokenness. He put on flesh and came in the person of Jesus Christ so that He could join us in our brokenness. And not only join us in our brokenness, but then through the work of Christ, welcome us into His family. That is what makes all the difference today. That is our motivation for caring when we understand and we see how broken and hopeless we are. But God didn't turn His back and run away from us. He ran to us. He embraced us. He welcomes us into His family today because of His grace, love, and mercy, not because we deserve it and not because of anything that we have done. It's all because of grace. And when we understand the gospel and we see clearly our role in the gospel, How can we not run to those who are broken? How can we not proclaim this same message of grace and mercy to those who so desperately need it? As I saw these two young ladies standing up here singing today, my mind immediately went back to knowing their story before. And then my mind went back to knowing the story of my Autumn and Aaron, of knowing the story of of different ones that have passed through my home and passed through my family. And over and over again and over again, We must proclaim to these children, to these families, that God loves them, He cares for them, and that He has a better plan for their life, that He wants to forgive them, meet them in their place of need. Church, I hope today that you as an individual, I hope that you've experienced that grace and mercy. 
And I hope you allow that grace and mercy that you've experienced, I hope you will allow that to compel you to share this same grace and mercy with others in our community and around the world. We must help the orphan because it is biblical. We must help the orphan because we have been helped. And then third, we must help the orphan in practical ways. I hope that you've been able to clearly see in here today that the need is great. The need right here in this community, the need around the world is great. I hope you've been able to ascertain and see clearly that there is a a very clear biblical call to step in and be a solution to the need. Allow God to use us to be his solution to the need. And as you do that, I hope now that you will understand that there are lots of different ways that you can get engaged and get involved. So the question today is not, is there a need? The question today is not, well, is this the right thing to do? God's word has clearly shown that it is. The question today is what role is God calling me to play? What role is God calling you to play today? There's some of you here today, and you've maybe been praying about this, and you've been wrestling with it, and, and maybe you've had excuses, and the same excuses that we had at the beginning. We're too busy. There's, I got to protect my kids. I got to protect my family. I could, I could never love a child temporarily and then send that child back to a, back to their home. All these things that are really just man-made excuses. Maybe you've been wrestling with the call to step into a life through foster care to be that temporary love and support for a child that they so desperately need in their time of great affliction. Maybe you're here today and the reality is children that are in foster care, most of those children will go back to their family, but there are many of those children who today need a forever family. Maybe God is calling you to adopt today, to welcome a child into your family. Maybe God's calling you to understand how great the need is around the world and children in many countries that do not know the love of a family. Maybe God is calling you to adopt and bring those children into your family, into your home. Some of you today are being called to foster. Some of you are being called to adopt. But I would submit that every one of us are being called to do something. Maybe you're not called to be a foster parent. Maybe you're not. And if you're not, if God's not saying that's what he wants for you, then I don't want you doing it either because it's going to be hard and you've got to be able to rest in that calling of God on your life to do that. But even if you're not called to foster and you're not called to adopt, find what God is calling you to do today. There are so many things that you could do. There are different ways that you can get engaged and be involved. Maybe it's supporting a family that is fostering or a family that has adopted or a family that that is helping uh, vulnerable children and families. Maybe it's through coming alongside a child that's in foster care and visiting them and, and maybe tutoring them or mentoring them or just pouring into their lives. Maybe it's, maybe it's through being a, a, court, a, a court liaison, a support and a help in the court system for children that are in foster care. Maybe it's encouraging social workers that are, that are tirelessly working to care for these children. There are so many different things that you can do, even as simple as coming alongside a family and providing meals and babysitting and being willing to, to, to take their children for a time and, and teach and train them. Being willing in your church to provide an atmosphere where this brokenness is welcome and these children are loved and embraced and they're by Biological families are loved and embraced and supported. What is it that God is calling you to do today? God is calling us all to be engaged and involved in some way. I want to wrap up this morning. I want to give you three quick takeaways to walk away with and tell you one story and we'll be done. Three takeaways. First thing, these are things I'm going to ask you to do before you leave today. Number one, wrestle with what God is calling you to do. Wrestle with what God is calling you to do. And when I use that word wrestle, it's there intentionally. Don't, this is not one of those things that I'm going to ask you just, you know, say a little prayer. God, 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 show me if you want me to do something. I'm telling you today, God, through his word, is clearly showing us he wants us to do something. 
So I'm challenging you to wrestle what, with God. What is it that you're wanting me to do? What role, God, do you want me to play? Pray through that. Not what, you're, not what He wants your neighbor to do. Not what He wants someone special to do, that you're just not special enough. You're just not equipped enough. Not what He wants the Wells family to do or the Johnson family to do. What is God calling you to do? Number two, I want to encourage you to take your next step as soon as possible. As soon as God shows you what your next step is, take that next step as soon as possible. Don't delay. Don't put it off. Don't come around to Orphan Sunday next year and say, man, I, we, we never really did anything. Nothing ever really came of that. Uh, your, your pastor and your church are not about one-off special events that you just kind of hear something, either feel good or feel bad about yourself and go about your way. That's not why they invited me here today. That's not why they're bringing this message before you. They're bringing this message before you because they see the biblical need. They see the role of the church in doing this. And so their admonition, I know from conversations and, and my admonition today is, is take that next step as soon as possible. Figure out what it is that God is wanting you to do. Again, visit ta- the Lifeline table. There's information there about things you can do. Uh, they're, they're the, ag- the local agency here, Partnerships for Strong Families. They have foster parenting classes. They're coming up very soon. Go to that information meeting. Find out more about that. You can join Lifeline. And we have adoption information meetings where we talk about what adoption looks like and what it might look like for your family. But find whatever it is God's calling you to do, take a step, sign up for a class, make a phone call, s- send an inquiry to somebody and figure out what it is. We, we purposely, in order to help you with this, put together a website. I know you're usually told not to go on your phones during church, but I'm going to ask you right now, take out your phones. Right now, take out your phones. And I think I have the website up here, but it's lifelinechild.org slash next steps. Lifelinechild.org slash next steps. On this page, you're going to see a variety of different ways that you can get engaged and involved. There are things that you as an individual can do, things that your family can do, things that your church can do. And then there's even a page here where you can click on and get a PDF of just practical ways that you can serve and be engaged. So I want to encourage you, wrestle with what God is calling you to do. And then as soon as you know what God is calling you to do, take your next step as soon as possible. And the final takeaway today for every one of us here is pray faithfully for orphans in your community and around the world. Will you commit to pray faithfully for orphans and vulnerable children and families in your community and around the world? We all can pray. We all must pray. Pray that these orphans will come to know the Lord. Pray that they will be cared for and spared from additional harm and pain. Pray that they will find a forever family. You can go on on our website again, lifelinechild.org, or you can visit adoptflorida.org, adoptflorida.org. And on both of those pages, you'll find children, you'll find their pictures and 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 their descriptions of children who are waiting for a forever family. And I want to encourage you, even if you're not even looking at that for considering adoption yourself, go on those websites and see their faces and read their names and pray for them by name. Call out to God that He would care for them, that He would provide for them, and that He would give them a family. Church, we cannot turn a blind eye. We cannot run away. We must step in and care for the orphan. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I love you, and I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for all that you have done in my heart and in my life. I thank you for the privilege of being able to share your word today. And I pray now, God, that you will speak to all of us and that you will show clearly each of us what our next step is today, God, what it is that you are calling us to do. May we be willing to run to brokenness and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you will transform our hearts, that you will transform this body of believers, and that you will do a work, God, that only you can do. For it's the name of Jesus, I pray.
This week, our prayer focus is on Latin America. Will you join with me in prayer? Dear Holy Father God, we do love you today, Lord. We thank you so much for the work that you are doing, and we thank you for allowing us to play a part uh, and to serve in some way uh, vulnerable children and families around the country and around the world. Lord, we lift up specifically today the Latin American countries, Lord, and in the uh, orphans and vulnerable children that find themselves in these nations. We thank you, Lord, that you are raising up your people. You're raising up your church in Latin American countries, God, to understand the needs of orf- orphaned and vulnerable children, the needs of broken families. And God, you are calling people to action, and Lord, your church is responding. Lord, we pray that you would continue to do this, that you would continue to help your people understand the needs of the vulnerable and help them to see the uh, the opportunity, God, and really the biblical call to care well uh, for those in need. Lord, we thank you for foster families that are stepping up, Christian foster families that are stepping up to care for children. We thank you for adoptive families that are willing to open up their hearts and their homes, Lord, to to orphan children in Latin American countries. God, we pray that you'll help our, our programs to continue to grow. We pray that you would be with our Lifeline team, Lord, as they seek to serve well churches and children in Latin American countries, as well as families that are adopting from there. Uh, we pray, God, especially as we see the the need for the adoptions of older children and sibling groups, God, we pray that you would lay it on the hearts of your people, God, to step into these lives and uh, and to truly provide that forever family, that forever home. Uh, God, we thank you that you have already promised that you're going to care for the orphan, that you're going to care for the vulnerable. And Lord, what a privilege it is that we get to be the means by which you keep your word. So God, I pray that you would continue to work as only you can do. I pray that you would raise up your people, that you would, uh, Lord, help us to, to understand the need, but then also to answer this biblical call, God, to care well for the orphan. We pray again specifically for these countries in Latin America and for your church, that you, we would be faithful to what you have called us to do. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.